We are now in the second week of Lent, a season of penitence and fasting, which is largely about getting our lives back on track, devoting ourselves again to God's care. This season can remind us that there is always hope for us to be the people that God created us to be. It's never too late. Just ask Abraham and Sarah. Our Genesis reading finds the two of them in old age, about to give up hope. But God enters their lives to lay out a whole new future, promising to bless generations to come. Abraham and Sarah are surprised to find that they are at the forefront of that blessing. They must, though, learn to think generationally and not only about themselves. Jesus asked something similar of Peter and the disciples in the Mark reading. They must no longer set their minds on human things, but learn to see as God sees. They are to live their lives for the sake of the gospel, to pick up their cross, and to follow Jesus. Abraham and Sarah had to pick up their own cross, too. They were essentially told to suck it up for God's sake. They'd been wallowing in the worry that they'd have no heirs, which was a sign of disgrace in their culture and time. Adding insult to injury, Abraham had already fathered a child with Sarah's slave girl, Hagar, at Sarah's request, and that had only led to further conflict and fracture in the family. From our perspective, Abraham's relationship with Hagar was abusive and reprehensible. It mirrors the rape we know occurred often by white masters of their female slaves in our own nation's troubled history with slavery. In Hagar's case, God intervened and attended to Hagar, blessing her son Ishmael, making promises to her and her offspring, paralleling those made with Abraham and Sarah. Hagar was given an audience with God, a rare occurrence. And through Ishmael, God responded favorably to Hagar's plight. Abraham and Sarah, on the other hand, were to have a son of their own, which they thought was impossible in their old age, but with God, anything can happen. At 90 years of age, they would start another family, and through their offspring, nations upon nations would be blessed for generations to come. But something would need to change in Abraham in addition to his name. He would have to have a change of heart if he was going to become a good ancestor. What made that possible? What was required of him? And what's required of us to get our lives back on track so that we too might become better ancestors for generations to come? The answer lies in the opening verse in our Genesis text, where the Lord appears to Abraham and says, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Abraham would have to accept that God is God. God is the God like no other. There are no other gods like this one, the Lord is saying. God is sovereign above the nations, and God Almighty is without equal. This God is the God of all, all people, all situations, all of creation, and all of time. This is the God of the three major faith traditions of which Abraham is the father, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. This God knows no rivals. And this God, the one true God, is easily able to override any limitation in body. 
It doesn't matter if you're 90 years old. God can handle that. God prevails and is able to do the seemingly impossible. And Abraham had to trust that. Secondly, Abraham was summoned to walk before God blamelessly. He was called out and away from his regular life. Something more was expected of him. Jesus asked the same of his disciples. We are to be in the world, but not of it. When Peter questions him from his limited perspective, Jesus says, Behind me, Satan. Jesus' ways are different from the world's ways. God's ways are different too. And those who are called as God's people are meant to be different as well. God asks for total obedience. Abraham was to make himself totally available to God and to completely turn his life over to God's capable care. And he was asked to be blameless. Blameless in this case is not about purity or about being without fault or blemish. It's about devotion. Abraham was to be loyal to God. His whole life was to be given over to God in unqualified fidelity. Pick up your cross and follow me is how Jesus put it. And that means forsaking conventional wisdom for the perennial wisdom of the gospel, which is grounded in love. Good news for all people. To be blameless is to act justly for all members of the community. To be blameless is to reverence God, to believe in God, to know God, and to serve God. And how do we do that? By loving neighbor as self, by promoting justice and equity, by upholding the rights of the poor and the needy. These are the key elements in the lives of those who know God and seek to walk blameless in God's sight. It's about seeking justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God as the prophet Micah put it. So what does it mean to be a good ancestor? It means having reverence for God, caring for others, and doing the right thing. And it means having perspective. Abraham and Sarah were asked to take the long view with God. Their lives would bless generations to come, and they needed to see it that way. In the Iroquois tradition, there is a philosophical commitment to base decisions on the impact expected seven generations from now. The implications are profound. Consideration is given not only to the impact on human relations, but on the entire planet. What will the impact be for the soil, for air, water, and other natural resources for seven generations to come? Imagine how different our politics would be if the seventh generation principle was applied to all decisions in Washington. And how about in our own lives, the choices we make each day about how we invest our time and money, how we treat other people and the planet. I wonder what our ancestors were thinking seven generations ago. Many of you are familiar with the Judy Project here at Richmond Hill. If not, I encourage you to learn about it on our website. It's our attempt to learn more about the ancestral history of this land and the plight of African Americans here in particular. Thanks to Pam Smith, our resident historian, we have learned a lot about the original landowners of this property and their direct involvement in the slave trade. 
We've also learned the names of numerous African-Americans who were enslaved by those landowners, Judy being one of them. Efforts are underway for us to honor her and other African-Americans who lived here and the lives of their descendants and to more accurately tell the story of this land. James Baldwin said that history is not the past, it is the present. We carry our history with us. We are our history. It's important for us to know where we came from in order to know who we are and to recognize that we share a common history, though of course the implications of that history are quite different for black and white in this country. Pam and the historical work being done here has inspired me to look further into my own family history. I've learned just in the last few weeks that I have ancestors on both sides of my family who enslaved Africans. I wrongly assumed all these years having grown up in the Midwest that my family was not involved in slavery. I was wrong. I was also surprised to find that both sides of my family came through Virginia, one settling for a while in the Shenandoah Valley near Winchester before moving on to Missouri. The other side of the family moving from Virginia to Kentucky and finally settling in Owen County, Indiana, and slavers there until Indiana became a free state in the early 1800s. It pains me to know this, but it also helps me. It's important for my own understanding and further compels me to work for racial justice. Nearly all of us, regardless of the color of our skin, have some intimate connection to the original sin of this country. Knowing that is important as we work toward righting the wrongs of our racial past and the racism that continues to this day. I'm pushed by the past to do something. I'm also pulled by the future. A year ago, I became a grandfather to Violet Allison Richardson Blunk, a wondrous being who now lives in the Shenandoah Valley herself. I want to be a good ancestor for her, too, and for her children and her children's children. And I recognize that family in God's eyes is way bigger than blood. Or to say it another way, God's blood runs through all of us, regardless of our skin color or where we're from. We are all beloved children of the one true God. I want to be the type of ancestor that keeps that in mind, that has that type of perspective. I want to be the type of ancestor that can look back and learn and look ahead and plan in order to live now in a way that makes a difference. Joan Chittister says that nothing we do can change the past, but everything we do can change the future. Therein lies the hope of God and the hope of the story of Abraham and Sarah. What seems impossible to us is always doable with God. We need to remember that and to devote ourselves to God's ways to pick up our cross and follow, to work for justice and peace, and to keep the seventh generation in mind in all that we say and do. Like Abraham and Sarah, we are called, in spite of our limitations, past failures and fears, to be good ancestors, 
those through whom God's blessing is imparted for generations to come.